This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3. On this episode, we'll be talking about what running 19.3 miles through the Walt Disney World parks taught me about running a business. I'll be sharing how I finally learned to stop looking over my shoulder and why I'm actually proud of finishing slower for this year's race than I did the year before. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I turned to the runner next to me and my stomach was a ball of anxiety. I said to her, why am I so nervous? I am not trying to come in first today. There's literally nothing to be nervous about. It was 4.55 a.m. on Sunday, February 26th, and I was standing with 25,000 other runners on a highway just outside of Epcot, and all of us were gearing up to run a 13.1-mile course, a half marathon, through the Disney parks. I had been training for this for months. I knew I was capable of completing the race, so I wasn't worried about not making it to the finish line. Like, I, my dad and I run three marathons together and I was genuinely concerned, like, are we going to be able to finish this? I wasn't worried about that with this one. I'd done plenty of training. I wasn't even trying to set a personal record for this one. I had been advised that trying to PR during a Disney race is a bad idea because there are so many character photo ops along the way. So I shouldn't have been stressed out about that either. And yet, for some dumb reason, I was. You may not know this about me. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you do. Or if you've ever met me in person, you do. But if we've never met and you're new to the podcast, you may not know this. I am an extremely competitive person. (laughs) I do not like losing. And even when there's no competition to be had, I tend to invent one anyways. And this race was a classic example of that. For weeks, I had been legitimately stressing about my mile times, worrying that I wasn't going to break last year's time. I wanted to finish in under two hours and 15 minutes because if I did, then I would qualify for the faster corral for next year's race just like I did for this year. If you haven't run a race before, they line runners up according to your expected finish time. So the faster runners get on the course first, so that way they're not having to weave through a bunch of walkers. There's nothing wrong with walking. You find a lot of walkers at Disney races, but it's a little frustrating when you're having to rein your pace in instead of hitting your stride because there's slower traffic ahead, which if you're not a runner, it can feel almost physically painful when you try to slow your pace when you're in a groove. So hence the corral system. And for this year's race, I qualified for Corral B, which I knew would make for an easier start because I was running with a group of people who were also going at a faster click. Bonus perks to earlier starts, the lines for character photos and bathrooms are also not as long. (laughs) So I went back and forth for weeks. Do I try to run at a certain pace and then risk missing out on the run Disney experience Or do I sit back and enjoy the ride, and if I miss the 215 mark, maybe try to qualify again with another race later this year? Disney races are really fun. That's why they're so popular. They sell out almost immediately whenever registration goes live. So you don't run a run Disney race because you're trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. You choose a Disney race because it's a joy to run. But I almost missed the joy because all I could think about was not losing. Fortunately, one of the announcers set my head on straight just before the starting gun went off. 
He said over the loudspeaker, you're not competing against anyone but yourself, not the runner in front of you or behind you. It's just you. And that was it, like two minutes before the race started. That was what I needed to let go of the nerves, run a good race, and enjoy the ride. To have fun along the race course, to slow down for a few minutes, to enjoy conversation with other runners I ran into along the way, to stop for a photo when I saw some of my favorite characters. The more I thought about it, the more that I realized there was actually a lot to be learned from this race and from the months of training that preceded it that directly applies to running a small business. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. So here are my main takeaways from the 2023 Disney Princess Half Marathon Weekend. Lesson number one, stop looking left, right, and backwards. Again, you are not competing with anybody but yourself, and looking at everyone else's growth to see how you measure up wastes valuable time and energy. I spent years as a business owner checking my progress against other photographers, and all it did was distract me and keep me looking over my own shoulder to see if anybody was coming up behind me, which robbed me of precious time and attention that I could have devoted to honing my craft. I'd creep over to other photographers' websites and social media and pull mine up in the next window and compare my own to theirs. If I felt like I came out on top, I'd get a moment of fleeting satisfaction. And if I didn't feel like I measured up, then it would haunt me for the rest of the day and distract me and keep me from focusing on doing my own work. In both situations, I lost. I was the loser in both of those situations, not because I was better or worse off than the other photographer that I was measuring myself against, but because it was a colossal waste of time to compare in the first place. I could have used that time in so many other ways that would have had a more lasting and a more positive impact on my business than the insecurity that I was feeding with every comparison I made. Because the fact of the matter is that while we're all running photography businesses, we are all on different paths from one another. Holding my success up against another photographer down the road, it's like comparing apples to Oreos. They're two completely different stories. Just like it doesn't make sense for you to compare your success with mine, even if you're also a brand photographer. 
Why? Because my goals are different than your goals. And your gifts and strengths are different than mine. My business model probably doesn't look identical to yours. And your lifestyle that you're trying to support, that's also probably different from mine. It is a huge disservice to ourselves and to our clients when we can't keep our eyes on our own paper. Everybody loses when comparison is the name of the game. You guys know this, I'm a believer, and Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us run with endurance the race set before us. Not, let us run the race set before our neighbor, or let us run the race set before that girl you follow on Instagram who can't seem to lose. No, let us run the race set before us. So your story, the story of your life, and of your business is unique. It's one of a kind. No one who has ever walked, is walking, or will walk this earth will ever have a story exactly like yours. So why do you expect the story of your success to look like someone else's? It won't. And that is part of the beauty of this story being told through your business and your life. The unique twists and turns that your path takes. All of those contribute to the impact that you were born to make. The more difficult twists and turns may not feel beautiful in the moment. I know that. Trust me. I know that. It can be hard to see how what might feel like a setback at the time to see how that could ever be redeemed for something good, especially when you see others around you, what feels like so easily attaining what feels to be out of reach for you. But I believe that every single thing that happens to you and around you has the ability to be used for good. If you're only ever looking and lusting after someone else's successes or you're comparing their failures to your own, you are missing the glory waiting in the cracks and crevices of your own path. Moving on to lesson two, and you guys will have to excuse me, my voice is dying. My whole family's been sick for like five weeks. We're all on the up and up now, but I mean, even from like starting recording this episode of the podcast, my voice already sounds worse, so it's probably all downhill from here. It's fine. (laughs) So lesson number two, know what the finish line looks like for you. What would actually qualify as a success in your books? For example, if I had set my sights on winning the entire race, which was not even a remote possibility... I would have been very disappointed. (laughs) To give you an idea, the first place female runner finished in one hour, 15 minutes, and 55 seconds. I was aiming for an hour behind that. (laughs) But how often do we play this all or nothing game? If I'm not first, I'm somehow last, like we're Ricky Bobbying it. If you ain't first, you're last. No, you can be your best without needing to be the best. So what does your best look like? For me, I knew my best was going to be finishing the race tired, but not so exhausted that I couldn't walk up the steps onto the bus back to my hotel. I also wanted to finish injury-free, something I can't say that I did last year. So my best here was a per-mile pace that didn't leave me so winded I couldn't speak, but that was faster than my easy run pace. Finishing in under 2 hours and 15 minutes would have been awesome, but it wasn't the only measure of success. I kept a constant pulse during training and on race day of how does my body feel? If I was flat exhausted, I slowed down. If I felt like I had more to give, I picked up the pace. Speaking of, lesson number three is pace yourself. On Saturday, I ran the 10K, which is 6.2 miles. And on Sunday, I ran the half marathon, 13.1 miles. And both of those are part of the Princess Race Weekend series. And to be fair, there was a 5K on Friday that I didn't run. So really, I was exercising self-control here. So that meant that if I ran the 10K at full speed, I would walk into the half marathon 24 hours later, sore, and with a less than full tank. 
So instead, I chose to pull back on giving the 10K my all, and I ran that at a much easier pace than I would have if I wasn't going to be running again the next day because I wanted to save my energy for what I consider to be the main event. Also, if that sounds like banana pancakes to you running a 10K and then a half marathon one right after the other, I'm only half crazy. The Goofy Challenge in January during the Disney World Marathon Series involves running a 5K on Thursday, a 10K on Friday, a half marathon on Saturday, and a full marathon of 26.2 miles on Sunday. I think it's something like 49.3 miles. You guys can add it up. So at least I didn't do that, okay? When you're planning out your yearly goals, It can be tempting to stack all the big stuff into Q1 and Q2, and then you find yourself either exhausted from doing too much in too little time, or disappointed by the fact that you couldn't do it all. Before you ever set foot out the door, know where you're going today and tomorrow. It'll help you ration your time and your attention more realistically. When we had our planning meeting for 2023, we set a goal for the number of shoots that I wanted to book for brand clients, as well as the number of new students I was hoping to enroll in Brand Photography Academy. BPA is open year-round. You can find it and register anytime you like, but we also plan what's called a live launch. We do that one time per year. That just means a concentrated push towards registration, live webinars. And that's when we're talking about the course intensely for a short period of time. It's a way to renew awareness of the course without me feeling like I have to talk about it all day, every day on social media. Because I know that the live launch is scheduled for later in the year, likely September, it means that I can focus my efforts on other projects in Q1 and Q2 and not stress about student registration. But I also know that come mid-July, we're going to start gearing up for launch and that come August, I won't be scheduling any shoots for that month to allow me to focus all of my efforts on launch material. Mapping out launch periods and shooting periods throughout the day helps me pace my booking so I don't accidentally end up with everything scheduled on top of each other, burning me out and resulting in my clients or my students getting less than my best energy. Lesson number four, little by little, it adds up. I didn't decide to do a half marathon the week beforehand. I actually signed up last June and I started training in October. There were a hundred plus opportunities for me to lace up my running shoes and get my body used to running longer and longer distances before the glitz and glam of race day. And no doubt about it, race day is glam. It's so fun. I run in full costume and I have no apologies about that. Some training days I felt like crap and others I felt great. But each daily run, whether three miles or 10, Each of those was an opportunity to train my body to be ready for the big show. Don't skip the small stuff. I promise you, it adds up. I've never finished a run and thought to myself, I wish I hadn't done that. Even after my worst runs, with my worst pace per mile where my legs felt like they were dying. So in the seasons when you just don't feel like it, put your miles in anyways. You're going to finish your day with the knowledge that you chipped away at your workload and you can close your laptop with confidence that you are a little bit closer to your goals than when you sat down at your desk in the morning. This also goes for learning skills that you know you eventually need to use but maybe don't anticipate using in the immediate future. So maybe you're someone who knows you need to improve your styling game when it comes to flat lays. Practice shooting flat lays on a day when you don't have much else going on. Or maybe you know you need to be working on lighting, that you had a shoot that was a bit of a tough cookie and you could have benefited from some off-camera knowledge. Start working on that now. Don't wait for the next time when it's an emergency. Little by little, it adds up. Lesson number five, shortcuts will cost you. 
And I'm not talking about ethical shortcuts like paying for a coach or for a course to learn a skill faster than simply grinding through via trial and error. I'm talking about the sort of shortcuts that bypass a learned skill entirely thinking that you can simply skip that part because you're a unicorn or because you don't like that aspect of running a business. When I trained for the 2022 Princess Half Marathon, I signed up with barely seven weeks before race day, and I had not been training all that consistently prior to those seven weeks of training. Background information, most half marathon training plans are at least 12 weeks long. Why did I think I could do it in seven? Because I was arrogant. I looked at the training plan, and I thought that my few short weeks of getting back into running shape was enough because I knew how to train from having done marathons in the past. And so I signed up with less than two months to go. Not to mention, I was also recovering from COVID when I signed up, so I didn't even have seven quality weeks to train. Did I make it to the finish line in 2022? Yes, but I got injured as a result. Turns out those 12-week training plans exist for a reason, because your body needs time to acclimate to the new levels of intense exercise. Here's how this relates to business. I used to try and shortcut the need for off-camera flash on set because it was faster to just use the available natural light. But the final product suffered because of it. I'm talking flat skin tones, sky-high ISO, motion blur because the available light was so dark that I had to drag my shutter to compensate. And all of that was too high of a cost. It turns out that the shortcut actually bought me more time spent editing in Lightroom. PSA, there is no quick fix in Lightroom for bad light. If I had taken the time to set up off-camera flash on set, we would have found ourselves with a more mature final product, cleaner skin tones, more accurate color throughout the frame, and more usable photographs. Also, way less of a headache when it comes to editing. Take the time to do the dang thing right. If it is worth doing, it is worth doing well. Lesson number six, no one is measuring your progress as closely as you are. We all have a tendency, or maybe it's just me, I have a tendency to think that people are paying much closer attention to my business than they actually are. And I'm going to blame social media for this, for the rise in narcissism of us thinking people are studying our businesses. They are not, okay? Like, oh, I haven't posted on social media in weeks. People must think something's wrong. In reality, they probably haven't noticed which is kind of a humbling realization for me. Or like, I overestimated my pricing and now I think I need to back down a bit, but what are people gonna think? I listed my starting rate on my website. Truthfully, no one is keeping track. I promise you, no, unless there's like some competitor down the street who's like weirdly obsessed with your business, in which case that says more about them than it does about you, nobody is keeping track here. When it came to the half marathon, I was stressing about wanting to finish in under two hours and 15 minutes, but realistically, no one has asked me since the race what my finish time was. Not a single person. The only feedback I've had has been, wow, good for you. Or did you seriously carry a frying pan 13.1 miles? Yes. Yes, I did. To be fair, it was a plastic skillet from a children's kitchen play set, so it hardly weighed anything. And if you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, go see my Instagram for photos. You'll get it when you see it. Maybe you've had a bad month. Guess what? You are probably the only person who knows that, unless you shared it with your business bestie, then they know it too. Your audience cannot tell from their surface level view unless you tell them. So keep your head up, okay? Next month will most likely be better. Your race course is your own, which means that nobody else has a map that they are time checking you against. Shoot, you don't even have a complete map. We can plan and plot until we are blue in the face, but the fact is not a single one of us knows how the story of our business is going to play out in the end. 
You could rise to meteoric success next quarter. But from where you're sitting right now as you listen to this podcast, maybe you're in a place where it feels like things are actually winding down for you. There is no universal yardstick that you are being measured against and no one else is tracking to see if you hit your mile markers on time. Lesson number seven, don't turn a molehill into Space Mountain, but do address the molehill so you don't continue to trip on it. My left hip started bothering me almost as soon as I laced up my running shoes again back in October. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's just sore. I haven't been running consistent. I haven't been running at all, actually, for months. Um, Maybe rest will help. Well, then it started hurting while I was sitting. Then it started hurting while I was running. And I started imagining all the things that could be wrong. Maybe I have torn cartilage. I might have a stress fracture. Oh my gosh, what if I need a hip replacement? Then I'm not going to be able to run the race in February that I paid all this money for. I'm too young to need a walker. I don't want to give up running forever. Like just the spiral, you know? So I finally asked my doctor in January, after like three months of this, I finally asked my doctor for a referral for an x-ray and for an orthopedist. I was so convinced that I had a, a stress fracture or worse. And my doctor was like, I mean, the only reason you'd probably need to go see an orthopedist is if you need surgery. And I was like, we might be in that territory. (laughs) So instead, he gave me a referral for an x-ray, but sent me instead to physical therapy, assuming that there was nothing catastrophically wrong on the x-ray. The x-ray came back clean. And before I made an appointment for physical therapy, I thought, maybe I should just go see a chiropractor, just in case it's like, I don't know, a back issue or something. Maybe I'm out of alignment. Who knows? A five-minute adjustment revealed that the only thing wrong with me was a tight IT band, which is the tendon that runs along the outside of your leg from just above, like from your pelvic bone to just below your knee. So I paid $40 for my appointment and immediately felt better after the borderline painful stretching that the chiropractor did. And that five-minute appointment, literally five-minute appointment, along with more targeted stretching after my run, I've been fine ever since. How many times have you stressed over an issue in your business and assumed that the solution was way more complicated than it actually ended up being? Like maybe your bookings have been slow and you assume that it's because your popularity's peaked and, you know, it's all downhill from here and maybe you should just close your business already. But then you realize that the issue is simply that you haven't been showing up consistently in your marketing efforts and by committing to posting to your blog, you begin pulling in new leads from people who found you on Google because now your posts are showing up in search engine results again. All of a sudden, the solution isn't shutting your business down. It's just making 30 minutes of time each week to format and share a blog post. On the other side of overthinking, I am also someone who likes to ignore a problem that I don't want to face, whether it's because I'm scared or intimidated, but ignoring the issue doesn't make it go away. Someone once said to me that problems only get worse with time. So whatever issue it is you're currently ignoring, or on the flip side of that, maybe you're overstressing about what could be wrong like I did with my hip, If you're on either end of that spectrum, do the scary thing and just face the issue. It looks a lot worse in the dark. But once you shine light on that problem, most of the time, you will find that it's an easier fix than you had originally thought. And you'll wonder why you spent so long kicking the can down the road when there was a recycling bin next to you all along. By the time I hit 13.1 miles on race day, I crossed the finish line within the window of time that I had aimed for. Two hours, 13 minutes, and 15 seconds. I didn't beat last year's time, I missed it by 1 minute and 12 seconds, but I finished the race feeling amazing and free from injury. Was I the best? No! I was 891st in the female category, and I was 189th in my age group. I wasn't the best out there, not by a long shot. But did I do my best? Absolutely. 
I know this question gets asked a lot at conferences and on webinars, but if you've never taken the time to sit down and write out your answer, I want you to do that. What does success look like for you in one year, five years, and 10 years? What needs to happen for you to look back and say, well done, you? Lesson number two from my race was, what does success look like for you? Know what the finish line looks like. And that's something I have to remind myself of often. Because I'm so competitive, sometimes I forget that winning, climbing higher and higher, earning more and more, that's not necessarily my definition of success. My finish line looks like kids who know their mama loves them more than she loves their work, of work days that end at 3 p.m. and afternoons spent with family. It looks like freedom in our schedule to say yes to a last-minute trip or the ability to take a true sabbatical every few years. That's something I'm still working towards. My finish line doesn't necessarily look like being the best there ever was, and it's worth reminding myself of that when I get FOMO from seeing somebody else chase dreams that are quote-unquote bigger than my own. Reminding myself of good for them, not for me, because I'm clear on what winning looks like in my life. So get clear on that for yourself. Where is your finish line? If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Come say hi on Instagram. You can find me at Abby Grace Photo. I love connecting with you guys in my DMs. Shoot me a DM. Tell me which of these lessons hit home the most. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about travel hacks for brand photographers. I'll be sharing how to make travel easier when you're toting gear to and from and my best practices for making sure you arrive at your destination with your gear intact with as little fuss as possible. Because trust me, traveling with photography gear is not as straightforward as I thought when I first started flying for my work. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?